This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guy, Clark Kent, begins a methodical search for Butcher Stark, visiting and phoning everyone in Metropolis to whom the escaped convict might turn for help. Hello, I'd like to speak to Duke Nalon. Duncan. You once knew Butcher Stark, didn't you? Who wants to know? My name's Clark Kent, and I thought you would know that he escaped from the state penitentiary. Well? Well, I wondered if he's tried to get in touch with you. You see, he's... No, he ain't. And listen, mister, take my advice and stay clear of Butcher Stark. He's a killer. Mix up with him, and you're a dead pigeon. Gang, once upon a time, many, many years ago, a young prince misbehaved. His father, the king, decided to punish him. Find the peasant boy of the prince's age, his majesty commanded. It is not seemly to whip his royal highness, so whip the peasant boy instead. Did you ever hear anything more stupid or ridiculous than that, gang? Yet that is actually how they disciplined royal princes hundreds of years ago. They appointed whipping boys, whose patriotic duty it was, to take it on the backside for some royal cluck. When the spanking was over, his royal highness probably felt fine and dandy. Goodness only knows how the whipping boy felt after being walloped for something he didn't do. Anyhow, the custom died out when people discovered it didn't make much sense. That is, it died out, and yet in a way, it didn't die out. Because today, some people are doing their darndest to keep that silly custom alive in another way. And that is, they try to pass the blame for their own shortcomings onto others. They see themselves, goodness knows why, as better than everybody else. So they look around for what we call whipping boys. Generally, what they have in mind is some minority group, people whose race or religious faith is different from theirs. For instance, take the case of Hitler. He was having a tough time beating the Germans, and that made them somewhat hard to handle. He knew somebody had to be blamed for the hunger and unemployment. So Adolf made the Jewish people of Europe his whipping boys. Yes, it's so easy to take it out on the other fellow. Now you know that is neither sporting nor fair, nor for that matter does it make sense, because walloping somebody else's seat never gets at the seat of your own trouble. 
Don't forget that. And now, the adventures of Superman. In his guise of Clark Kent, Superman has been working with desperate speed to track down and capture the escaped convict Butcher Stark. Realizing that though Stark is fully aware of the awesome power of his voice, he is still not smart enough to use it to best advantage and may very soon come in contact with someone who is. But the Man of Steel apparently has entered in a losing race. For Stark's fearful ability has become known to the Scarlet Widow, one of Superman's most dangerous enemies, who has already begun plans to use Stark to regain her former evil power. Now we find Kent at Central Police Headquarters with Inspector Henderson, who hands him a sheaf of papers. Well, this is everything we have on Stark, Kent. He developed a big reputation as a stronger man in Chicago. Then he came to Metropolis, where he hooked up with Big Frank Vicko. Frank Vicko, the big-time operator who controlled the whole West Side? Uh-huh. One of Mike Hickey's boys. Mm, sure, I know. What did Stark do for Vicko? Oh, the usual stuff. When anyone disagreed with Vicko, Stark was sent out, and one or two things happened. The fellow either changed his mind and agreed with Vicko, or he got a pair of concrete shoes and landed at the bottom of the Metropolis River. Mm, if you knew that, why didn't you get him sooner? Because we could never prove it. Oh, I see. But finally, we got a break. Stark got a bit careless on one of his jobs, and we were able to pin it squarely on him. He was brought to trial, convicted, and sentenced to death. What did Vicko do about that? Oh, Vicko was smart. He saw the handwriting on the wall. Oh, he let Stark go to the death house, which was a good way to get rid of one of his associates. Perfect. What's Vicko doing now? Running a respectable business. Owns a warehouse on the west side and operates a trucking company. Everything open and above board. I see. What about the people Stark went around with, his friends? Well, he didn't have too many. He was always more of a lone wolf. Oh? But, uh, this is a list of the men he was usually seen with. Oh, thanks. Don't bother with the names that have a red check mark next to them. They're dead. Okay. You mind if I hold on to this for a while? Well, no, no. I have another copy. Going to check up now? Yes. Good. And keep me posted. I have my men working on some other angles. We can get together later and compare notes. Fine. And thanks a lot, Inspector. It's okay. Good luck. Are you Harry Boyle? Yeah. I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. You knew Butcher Stark, didn't you? What's it to you? Well, did you or didn't you know him? What if I did? He's up in the pen. Gonna get his neck stretched. I've got news for you, Boyle. He escaped. What? And he may come around looking up his old friend. If you see him, I suggest you notify the police right away. You bet I will. I don't want to mess around with him no more. He's trouble. And plenty of it. <laughs> Been running this shoe shine stand long? Yes, some more than ten years. I give it the best shine in the whole town, you see. Uh-huh, very nice. Your name is Pete Salmaggi, isn't it? That's right. Everybody she's in a Pete. And you know everybody, huh? Sure, sure. Lots of people come here. You know Butcher Stark? Butcher Stark? What do you talk about him for? He escaped from the death house, Pete. Santa Marie. He hasn't been around here, has he? No, I not see him, mister. Honest, I don't. I don't want nothing to do with him. Okay, but if you do see I him... I call it a cops real quick. I sure do. That's the... All right, thanks for the shine. Here, keep the change. Oh, gotcha, mister. And I watch you for Butcher Stark. I watch you real good. Hey, Mr. Kent. Huh? Oh, hello, officer. What's up? Can I, can I get him? Get in? Your car? Yeah, please. What, what for? I got a call from headquarters to take you in. 
What do you mean, take me in? Orders straight from Air White's office. Now, come on, Mr. Kent. Look here. Orders are orders. Don't make it tough on me, please. That's the way it is. Okay. Thanks. Get going, Bill. What's the idea, Chief? And what are you doing here, Bruce? I thought you were going up to the, the state... police picked me up at the railroad terminal. I didn't even get a chance to go up to the state prison. What's the matter with you, Chief? Well, after the story you told me about a man's voice knocking people out, I'm sure you need medical attention. But it's true, I tell... Oh, Bruce, will you kindly tell him, and the truth this time? You mean you weren't telling me the truth before? He's not making it up, Mr. White. The story may sound fantastic, but it's the truth. The whole truth. You... You mean that Butcher Stark's voice can, can knock people out and shatter windows and... Yes, and, all of that. Oh, great Caesar. You too. You've got to believe us, Chief. And you've got to keep it a secret. Secret? Well, if I ever tried to print a story like that, they'd put me in the booby hatch. You can bet your last dollar I'll keep it a secret. And you'll help us, won't you? At least give us a free hand. Yes, at least give us a chance to... Oh, here I go, letting you talk me into something again. Please, Chief, please. Oh, all right, all Thank right. Thank you. Well, now tell us, Clark. Have you learned anything? Nothing definite yet. Well, then what? One more angle. Big Frank Bickle. Stark used to work for him, and he may have the idea Bickle double-crossed him. Bickle? Why, he owns a warehouse on the west side near the waterfront. He isn't in the rackets anymore. No, I know, but Stark may try to change his mind. So let's get over there, Bruce. Fast. Hmm. I thought Bickle was supposed to be operating a thriving business. with not a soul around. No, but did you notice the loading platforms downstairs? No. What about them? There were three trucks parked there, each partly loaded. There were a lot of crates and boxes stacked up around them. Looked as though the men suddenly stopped work for some reason or other. Hmm, that's funny. Say, you know where we're going? Yeah, the sign back at the head of the stairs said the office was down this hall. Funny, they're running lights burning. Well, take it slow, don't bump into it. Bruce! You should have spoken sooner. Hey, hey, strike a match, quick. Wait a minute. Well, look! Great guns, a body. Is he, is he, uh... No, no, I, I can feel his pulse. He's unconscious. Hey... There's another one down the hall. And another one. Come on. What about these men? We'll take care of them later. Light another match. Okay. Uh-oh. Someone else lying on the floor. Yeah. And he's no trucker. Not the way he's dressed. Probably Bicko himself. Uh-huh. He unconscious, too? No. He's dead. Dead? Yes, but there's not a mark on him as far as I can see. What in the world could have happened here? I don't know. Bruce, look. That desk lamp. What about it? The bulb is shattered. And that glass ashtray, it's cracked in a dozen places. And the window... Uh-oh. Stark. You guessed it. We're too late. Butcher Stark has already been here. The burning match flickers in Kent's quivering fingers and then dies, flooding the room into darkness. But the echo of Stark's deadly voice seems to linger in the stillness. What has happened to the ex-convict? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. As we continue now, it is late evening, and we find Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne in Perry White's home, concluding a report of their findings at Big Frank Vico's warehouse. The four truckers we found regained consciousness just before the ambulance arrived, and they told us they heard a strange sound coming from Vico's office. So they stopped work, went up to investigate. When they got there, a man they didn't recognize... Who must have been Stark. Right, he was just leaving the office. They tried to stop him, but he merely shouted at them, and they collapsed. Just because he shouted at them? That's right, Chief. Oh, that's impossible. I, I can't swallow that. I, I can't. Well, Vico is dead, and there wasn't a mark on him. Can you think of how it happened? Well, he probably had heart failure. Well, the autopsy will prove different, I'm sure. Well, what have we got then? Stark went to see his old boss, and... Oh, excuse me. Hello? Oh, yes, Henderson. Henderson. What's he want? Wait, sir. When? The whole wall, you say? All right, I'll be down as fast as I can. Goodbye. 
What is it, Chief? The Metropolis National Bank. It was robbed a few minutes ago. Oh, no. The entire wall on the south side was blasted out. A couple of people who were near the bank at the time said they heard a sound that gave them a bad earache. Color draining from their faces, Kent and Wayne stare at each other. Butcher Stark again, this time using his power in an entirely new manner. Superman realizes that this man must be stopped, but how? Dang, there's much action and many thrills tomorrow when Stark and Superman come face to face once again. So don't miss it. Be sure to listen, same time, same station, to episode 7 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today on the phone, Mayor Perry White receives sudden startling news from Inspector Henderson, news that puts Superman back on Butcher Stark's trail. What's that, Inspector? The wall blasted out? Uh Uh-oh, what's going on? Yes, 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 I'll be right over. Goodbye. What is it, Chief? Yeah, what gives me... The Metropolis National Bank was robbed 15 minutes ago. What? Great Scott. The wall on the south side of the bank was blasted open and... Yes? Witnesses said they heard a strange, ear-splitting noise just about the time it happened. Hey, watch out for that snake. I'll bet you all have heard that cry at some time or other, gang. But have you ever stopped to wonder why people are so afraid of snakes? Actually, the number of deaths resulting from snake bites is very small. However, even this could be reduced considerably if people only knew more about snakes. First, we should know that most snakes in the United States are not only harmless, but are also useful. There are only five major varieties of poisonous snakes in this country. The rear fang snakes, the coral, the cotton mouth moccasins, copperhead and rattlesnakes. 
Now, the rear fang snakes are found in Utah and most southern states from Virginia to Florida and west to southern California. These can be recognized by the distinctive broad heads and large black or brown blotches. They're ugly customers, too. The coral snake is much prettier. He has a bright red coral pattern of rings and a black-tipped head. And though not all snakes with those rings are coral snakes, it's safe to steer clear of all the do. Corals are found in the southeast as far as Ohio and also in Arizona and New Mexico. Now, the ugliest snake is the olive or brownish cottonmouth. He looks as though he's perpetually scowling, and he has a very nasty temper. You'll find him in southern swamps and around the Mississippi. The copperhead, which is copper-colored, is found in the east and is very, very shy. And unless you annoy him, he'll leave you alone. And lastly, the rattlesnake, which is found all over this country, is most easily recognized by the rattles which he sounds before striking. A little later, I'll tell you more about snakes, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman! Butcher Stark, a dangerous criminal who, by a freak of nature, developed a power that rivals the might of Superman himself, is now known to be in Metropolis and is a constant threat to the peace and welfare of every citizen. Superman and his friend Batman have been making a desperate but vain search for the escaped convict. Now, however, with the sudden startling news of the Metropolis bank robbery, Superman and Batman are certain they are back on Stark's trail again. And as Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, they are driving to the scene of the crime while listening patiently to Mayor Perry White's angry denial oh, of no, their theory. Oh, I don't care what you say. Superman can blast a hole in a brick wall just by shouting at it. Not even Superman can do that. No, he certainly can. But Butcher Stark oh, can't. Well, you're out of your mind. What about that strange ear-splitting sound witnesses reported hearing? Yes, same sound that was heard at the Metropolis Railroad Terminal when that train was stolen. And over at the warehouse when we found Big Frank Fickle dead. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Stark's using some kind of a machine or anything. Uh, but his voice, poppycock. Well, we'll find out soon enough. Here's the bank, and there's Inspector Henderson. All right, Henderson, let's have it. What happened here? Well, as near as we can figure it right now, Mayor White, the south wall of the bank was blown out. The inside half wrecked, and the crooks got away with nearly $500,000 in cash. $500,000? What about the bank watchman, Inspector Henderson? Where was he? Inside, where he was supposed to be, Kent. We found him unconscious. The doctor's trying to bring him around now. I see. Well, what kind of... Did they use on the wall? Well, that's what puzzled me. You see, there's no evidence of any kind of glass. The wreckage isn't scattered at all. It's just heat. So the wall simply collapsed. Uh-oh. Oh, how in blazes can a wall simply collapse? Uh, I don't know. Come on over and look for yourself, Mayor White. Oh, I certainly will. Gun, Clark. Did you see the inside of the bank? All those teller's cages smashed to pieces, glass all over the floor? Yes. Butcher Stark must have really let loose this time. And how? So, now he's got $500,000. I wonder what he intends to do next. Well, that's anybody's guess. The point is, what are we going to do? Kelly, I don't know. Let's go over to the ambulance and see if we can have a talk with the watchman. There he is, on the stretcher. This fellow looks awfully weak. Yeah, if he can hear me. Uh, hello, old-timer. How do you feel now? Huh? Can you talk? I can't hear you very well. Noise in my ears. Poor old guy. What happened in the bank? I don't know. You heard a strange sound, didn't you? Yes. Yes, it was terrible. Went right through my head like a knife. I couldn't stand it. Where were you when it happened? At the head of the stairs. Didn't you see anything? Yes. Yes, I, I saw a car. 
pulled up across the street. Oh? I thought it was kind of strange. The street's usually empty at night. Well, what happened then? Man got out. Started walking to the south side of the bank. There was somebody else in the car. Oh? Couldn't see him too clear. Dark. Then? I watched for a minute. And then I heard the noise and... And you passed out? Yes. Oh. Look, are you sure you saw someone else in the car? Positive. I see. Well, thanks, old-timer, and take it easy now. You'll be all right, soon. Come on, Bruce. Let's rejoin Perry White. How do you believe us, Keith? No. Why should I? Now, be reasonable, Mr. White. I'm trying to be reasonable, Wayne. And logical, too. You are not. I am, Kent. I grant you it may have been some new kind of invention, a machine that can shoot out sound waves, but a human voice... That's exactly what I've been trying to tell you, Chief. The voice isn't just human now. Oh, now look here. Seen the man use his voice. We've heard the sound ourselves. Yeah, I'm sorry, boys, but I just can't swallow it. You must have been fooled somehow. No, I give up. Uh, relax, Bruce. Well, what are you going to do about the robbery? Well, the bank watchman gave us a fairly good description of the car, so... And about ten minutes after the robbery, an identical car clipped a fire hydrant on 64th Avenue. The speed didn't stop. So, it may have been the getaway car. Sounds like a good lead. Well, that's not all. They found broken headlight glass near the hydrant. So the whole force is scouring the town for a one-eyed car. And all roads leading out of the city are blocked. Now, if that doesn't get results, nothing will. Okay? We'll see. by the skid marks. It went out of control about 100 feet back on the road and piled into a ditch here. Uh-huh. And uh, how are the two officers, Inspector? Well, they were taken to the county hospital. Unconscious. Probably were knocked out by Stark's sonic power. No doubt. Uh, now, you're not going to start that again, are you? You're not going to tell me he did it with his voice again? Sure he did. Oh, bah. Whatever way he did it, Chief, it's clear that Stark has broken through. Yes, sir. He sure as heck out of Metropolis and going heaven knows where. As Perry White and Bruce Wayne glower at each other... Kent examined the interior of the wrecked police car carefully. Suddenly, he starts and beckons to Wayne. What has he found? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Suddenly noticing something in the wrecked police car, Kent beckons to his friend, Bruce Wayne, and then points to the dashboard of the car. Look. Look at the dashboard clock, Bruce. Yeah. Deadly flash, isn't it? More than that, the glass is broken inwards and the pieces have stopped the hand. Yeah. At 11.50. Right, and it's 12.20 now, which means that Butcher Stark wrecked this car only 25 minutes ago, giving him less than a half hour lead on us. You're not thinking of going after him. Of course. Will you cover me with a chief? Cover you? How? What can I tell him? Oh, tell him. Tell him anything you want. Just talk fast. You give me that darndest job. Go on, now, quick. I've got to move. Pushing Wayne out on the road toward Perry White and the police sergeant, Kent starts into a nearby clump of bushes. You won't see me here. Now, for these clothes... And we'll see what Superman can do. There we are. 
Town. Up, up, and away! Following down the broad state highway as though shot from a giant bow, Superman covers 30 miles in the wink of an eye. Then, zooming low, reverses his direction, skims the concrete pavement, searching the interior of each passing car for Butcher Stark and his unknown companion. Then, suddenly, out of the corner of his eye, he notices a small airport and a plane warming up on the runway. Literally spinning on a dime, he streaks toward the field. And then, parked behind one of the hangars, he spots a car with a broken headlight. Butcher Stark. He's here. I've caught up to him. Now, we'll see what will happen this time. Starting forward, Superman lands lightly on the concrete runway and strides purposefully toward the idling plane. This will be his second meeting with Butcher Stark, the first having ended in utter defeat for the Man of Steel. Will he be able to turn the tables, or will Stark's evil power be once again victorious? We'll know in tomorrow's action-packed episode, gang, so don't forget to listen. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, to Chapter 8 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, after Butcher Stark had broken through the tight police net thrown around Metropolis, Superman finally catches up to him at a small suburban airport and prepares for a showdown. Now, this is the car he used, all right. So he must be here, ready for a getaway. Now, let's see. He's not in that plane warming up on the runway. He's not in the hangars. Well, then where it... There. There he is. In the administration building. Now, Butcher Stark, it's you or me. If anyone ever told you that you could put out a forest fire single-handed or stop a terrible avalanche in its track, you'd probably sniff and say, how could I alone stop a forest fire or an avalanche? That's ridiculous. Well, in a sense, you'd be right, because it would be an awfully tough assignment for you to tackle a full-blown forest fire or an avalanche that had turned halfway down the mountainside. But supposing you'd been on hand to step on the sparks that would start a conflagration or to hold back a loose rock that could roll itself into an avalanche. In that case, you would single-handedly have averted a catastrophe. You see, gang, disasters often build up from small beginnings. And many of them can readily be at the start. But once let them get going and you're in trouble for real. 
Now, that's the way it is with prejudice. It can start with just a word against somebody because of his race or his religion. Let it spread and you could have a school or a town or even an entire nation divided against itself. So when you see a bully pushing somebody around or talking against anyone simply because of his race or his religious beliefs, think about that forest fire. Say to yourself, Brother, if I don't do something about this spark of prejudice right now, it may be much worse when it hits me in mine. That gang is the only way to prevent the heartaches and the headaches that beset the people of a nation when it is divided against itself. Do your part to see that it doesn't happen here. And now, the adventures of Superman! Unknown to Superman, Butcher Stark, the escaped convict and ruthless killer, has allied himself with the Scarlet Widow, an old and dangerous opponent of the Man of Steel. Together, combining her brains and his deadly power to shatter solid objects and render people unconscious by the sound of his voice alone, they have begun a secret campaign of crime. But now, Superman, following closely on the convict's trail, has tracked him to a small airport. And though he remembers all too clearly how Stark overpowered him in their first meeting, he prepares to face the deadly killer again. I could go in and get him there, in the administration building. But there are other people around they might be hurt. Besides, I want to see who his partner is. Oh, I'll just wait out here. If he's going to take the plane that's warming up on the runway, he'll have to pass right by me. Then, we'll see. Determined not to lose sight of Butcher Stark for one second, Superman is unaware of a tall, shadowy figure gliding soundlessly across the field behind him. A figure wearing a long black dress beneath a flowing cape, its collar high, shielding drawn white cheeks, heavy-lidded eyes, and sleek, glossy black hair. It is the Scarlet Widow who pauses watching him and waiting for his meeting with Stark. <laughs> Meanwhile, however, trouble is brewing from an entirely different source. Far down the highway, Bruce Wayne, whom we also know as Batman, is having trouble keeping Superman's identity a secret from Perry White. Oh, hang it all, Wayne. Where in thunder did Ken go now? I told you, Mr. White, to, to the farmhouse there across the field. Well, why? Oh, well, he, he thought they might have heard or seen something that would give us a, a clue as to where Butcher Stark went. Ah, ridiculous. Come on. Now, where are you going? Do that farmhouse to get Ken. He's been over there long enough to get material for an encyclopedia. But, now, wait. There's no sense in going all the way over there. All right, all right. I'll go alone. Oh, great guns. Wherever you are, Clark, you'd better get back here in a hurry or else we're in trouble. There he comes. Out of the administration building, and I was right. He's heading this way. He is going to that plane. And I just have to hit him fast and hard before he has a chance to use his voice. He's too dangerous to play around with. Okay, another three yards, Stark, and you'll get the surprise of your life. Remember me? Great Scott. The Scarlet Widow. What's going on? Get him, Butcher. It's Superman. Oh, it is, is it? Oh, my Butcher. I have. Maud, find me. I'm behind you. Get here. So you're Superman, huh? The big guy himself. Well, let's see if you can take it as well as stick it out. I'll show you how I can take it. You're stumbling around like you punched us now. You'll fall in a minute. No. wave upon wave of deadly high-frequency sound throbs painfully in his head. The man of 
Steel weaves drunkenly, staggers over the grassy turf of the field, but still fights back, trying desperately to reach Stark to curl his fingers around the killer's throat and choke off the maddening sound. But the Scarlet Widow thinks fast. Come on, Butcher! Into the plane! Quickly! As Superman staggers uncertainly again, groping blindly, the convict dashes for the plane. Then, in a matter of seconds, he is safely aboard with the Scarlet Widow and is roaring down the runway into the cloudy night sky. The overpowering pressure, Superman's ears continue to ring, his eyes to dance wildly. Realizing that Stark is escaping, he makes one tremendous effort to gather his senses. But when his mind is finally clear again, the plane has vanished in the heavy blanket of night. I've lost him. Butcher Stark has won again. What's going on? This house is dark. Can't you hear? Well, he's he's probably gone back already, Mr. White. Now, come on. Maybe we can catch up to him. Are you kidding? We would have seen him if he'd gone back. Well, maybe not. It's a dark night, you know, and no problem. Stand where you are or I'll fill your hide full of birds. Watch places. Stay put, I said. Hold the police. Oh, just a minute, sir. Come sneaking around my farm, will put you? Put that gun away before you hurt somebody. What are you doing at this hour of night? We're looking for a friend. Came over here to talk to you. Uh, Mr. White, I... Talk to me? Yeah. Ain't been nobody here talking to me. Are you sure? Sure, I'm sure. Get off my property. Go on. Get. Get the boy. All right, all right. Relax and go back to bed. All right, now, Wayne. Now, what's this all about? I I don't understand it myself, Mr. White. You see, I... You understand plenty. Now, come on. Out with it. Where's Clark Kent? Frantic, Bruce Wayne searches for an answer to Mayor White's question, but can find nothing to say. Any reply could be the wrong one. Could plunge Kent deeper into trouble, and reveal the all-important secret of his double identity. What can Wayne do? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! With Superman gone in his fruitless pursuit of Butcher Stark, Batman in his guise of Bruce Wayne is having great difficulty in concealing his friend's identity as Perry White questions him sharply. Now, where did Ken go, Wayne? What's he doing? I I don't know, Mr. White. Then why in place did you tell me he went to that farmhouse when he did now, look, Mr. White, I'm, I'm not Clark's guardian. I don't check up on him every minute. He's, he's old enough to take care of himself, so forget it, will you? Forget it. Stand around here in the middle of the night, uh, make a fool of myself, and I shall forget it? I certainly will not. Hands up to something, and I'll be hanged if I don't find out what it is. Here, here, what's all that noise about? Clark, now where in blazes have you been? Well, I... Was... I told him you went over to that farmhouse, but the farmer said you weren't there and Oh, well, no, I didn't. There, you see, what do I you mean up... you didn't get there? What have you been doing all this time? I went down that way, looking for a filling station or any place that might be open. I maybe someone might have seen Stark. May I remind you, Mr. Kent, that we have a perfectly good police department who are paid to do this kind of work? And you're not. Well, it was just an idea. It's you and your idea. All right, I'm sorry. Come on, come on, come on. Back to the car now if you don't want to be left behind. Oh, you sure left me in an awful hole, Clark. I know. Thanks for that. What happened? Did you catch up with Stark? Yes. I caught up to him, all right. And? I was speaking, Bruce. What? Yes. Dark's power is too much for me. You were very successful, Butcher. My congratulations. Thanks, Widow, but I couldn't make him fold like all the others do. Never mind. It's enough that you staggered him. Hurt him badly. That's more than anyone has ever done to Superman before. And now we're in the clear. With $5,000 in this bag. So we split it. You don't seem to understand. The money belongs to the partnership. 
We shall use it to finance our next undertaking. Hey, now, wait a minute. You must believe I'm not trying to cheat you. But you don't think we're going to suffer to mere bank robbery, do you? Uh, what's wrong with 500 grand? We're out for bigger things, Butcher. I make the plans, you execute them. And together we'll get the whole country in a stranglehold. With a sinister smile on her thin lips, the Scarlet Widow settles back in her and unconsciously curls her tapering fingers in a gesture of greed. Where will she and Butcher Stark strike next? And will Superman be able to catch up to them again? Our story takes a new twist Monday, gang, so be sure to listen. Tune in same time, same station for episode nine of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as all trace of Butcher Stark is lost, Superman faces a deadly sound projector in the mountain laboratory and makes a startling request. Mr. Johnson, I want you to bombard me with sound. What did you say, Superman? I want you to bombard me with sound from this projector. Sound in the high frequencies, strong as possible. But look I here. want you to keep hitting me with it until I either learn to take it or I fold. That's the only way I can arm myself to face Butcher Stark. I know a boy gang who got into an awful lot of trouble simply by neglecting to report something important because it might spoil his fun. Here's what happened. One day he got his mother to let him go on a camping trip with a couple of friends. On the morning he was supposed to start out, he awoke with a sore throat and a headache. But he decided not to say anything to his mother about it because he was afraid his mother might decide he'd better not go on that camping trip. Later that same day, while on the trip, these insignificant symptoms developed into something serious. The boy came down with infantile paralysis and he was in bed for a long time. Now that might have been averted if he'd reported his feeling ill to his mother who would have called a doctor. You see, gang, you can't tell yourself because the symptoms are different in different cases and all of them seem to be indications of very minor illnesses. The most common, according to Dr. John Anderson, teacher of child care at the Utah School of Medicine, are sore throat, headache, nausea, fever, and drowsiness. Now, in the case of such symptoms, there are two extremes you can go to, neither of which is good. One is to ignore the symptoms, assuming they're minor ailments. The other is to get all worried and worked up at the slightest sign of anything. 
Actually, a compromise is best. If you feel any of these signs, it may be nothing but a common cold. However, be careful of any indications of fever. Take care of all minor illnesses, and if there is one chance that they might develop into something serious, have a doctor examine you. Because it's always best to make sure, especially since infantile paralysis is prevalent now. A good motto to keep in mind is, it's better to be safe than sorry. Don't forget that. And now, the adventures of Superman. After the murder of a former racketeer and the sudden startling robbery of the Metropolis National Bank, Superman learns that Butcher Stark, the escaped convict and ruthless killer, was using the deadly sonic power of his voice in a reckless outburst of crime, personally directed by someone who knew how to use his power to best advantage, one of Superman's most dangerous enemies, the Scarlet Widow. Now, after the failure of his second attempt to capture Stark, we find the Man of Steel in the guise of Clark Kent in the office of the Daily Planet, still trying to persuade Mayor Perry White of the danger in Stark's face. Look, Chief, you saw the wall of the bank, how it simply collapsed with no signs of any kind of explosion. Yes, yes, I saw and it. you heard the statements of all the witnesses, that they all were conscious of a strange, penetrating sound, a sound that made their ears Yes, hurt. yes, I know all that. Well, but I won't swallow your theory that it's done with a man's oh. voice. Oh, oh, hello, Lois. What kind of a story is this? Huh? What story? Here, look, the press room sent it up for verification. It's fantastic. Oh, hello, Clark, I didn't see That's you. That's okay. And, Chief, you don't have to bother reading that clip. I wrote the story. It's about Butcher Stark. What? You wrote that, that, uh, dime novel thriller? Great jumping Jehoshaphat. I've got to stop this. No. Yeah, hello. Chief, Get me the Chief you're not going to kill him. I certainly am. But you're suppressing the facts. Well, I'm not. I'm holding them until they can be verified. Hello. How's some cock? Well, I'm not going to you ever dream of a like that? I didn't dream it up, Lois. Yeah. It's the absolute truth. Well, it doesn't truth. sound like Now, oh, look, Chief, I'm getting a little tired of being pushed around like this. Oh, you are, are you? Yes, it's about time you were showing a thing or two. About Butcher Stark's so-called voice of doom? That's right. I can't let you hear his voice, but I can show you the power of sound. You got anything to do this afternoon? Mm, very interesting. And how do you plan to demonstrate same? I'm going to take you up to the sonic laboratory in the mountains to show you a couple of things. Hey, you're not going to leave me after this. I certainly am not. It'll be a pleasure to show both of you. Come on. Mr. Johnson, I've brought Mayor White and Miss Lane up here to show them exactly what the power of sound can do. Will you help me by demonstrating for them? Why, yes, of course. Thank you. I'd appreciate it very much. So would I. The subject fascinates me. Well, shall we... Oh, excuse me. Yes, of course. Hello? He seems like Hello. a very nice fellow, doesn't he, Carl? Uh, exactly uh, what does he do here, Kent? He's the lab technician. Yes, he operates the equipment sure, for the scientists. Oh, I see. Oh, Kent. Yes? For you, it's Bruce Wayne. Oh, thanks. Excuse me, Lois, Chief. Mm -hmm. Sure, sir. Oh, uh, well, why don't you all go ahead into the laboratory? I'll join you there. Good idea. Miss Lane, Mayor White, if you'll follow me, I'll yes, show you. Yes, I will. Come on. What are you doing up there? I'm trying to prove the power of sound to the Chief Lois, a couple of doubting Thomases. Well, good luck. Thanks. Anything new? No, I've drawn a blank. Oh? I've been out on a bad plane since last night, checking every possible field that Stark and the Scarlet Widow might have landed at. There's no traces. They're not within 500 miles of Metropolis at any rate. I see. Also, I've contacted Robin in Chicago and told him to nose around that area, see if he could pick up anything. That's a good idea. Well, have you got any other ideas? No, not at the moment. Why don't you come up here and meet me? We can talk it over together. All right. Luckily, I'm not too far away. I'll be there in about an hour and a half. Good. See you then. <laughs> you hear isn't the sound we're going to demonstrate, Mayor White. It's just a mechanical hum from the power equipment. I see. Well, if the sound is as deadly as Clark says, should we be in the same room with it? Oh, it's all right, Miss Lane. You won't hear it at all. But we'll have to wear these helmets. Oh, I see. Oh. Sorry I took so long. 
Have I missed anything? No, Miss Kent. We're just about ready to begin. Oh, oh uh, here's a helmet for you. Helmet? Yes, protect your ears. You'll be able to hear voices and ordinary sounds, but the higher frequencies, the dangerous ones, are filtered out. Now, uh, are we ready? Just a minute. Let me get this thing on right. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Now, over there against that wall, you see I've grouped a number of objects. Uh-huh. We'll deal with the pile of bottles on the left first. Uh, uh, what is this machine? It's a sound projector, Miss Lane. Seems the sounds do just the spot I want. Ready now. Watch the bottles. I don't see anything happening. Wait. Chief, there. The bottle's broken. Well, I'll be... Shattered into a hundred little pieces. So much for glass. What? Now, that wooden block in the center. Watch it. Great Caesar. Why, why the whole block is just... Just wood. Mm, interesting. Certainly is, Johnson. Show them more. We'll try that paving block over there on the left. Now, watch it closely. Mm, then it happens to stone, why then I'll... Keep your eyes on it, Chief. I can't believe it. Well, Chief, is that demonstration sufficient to prove the power of sound? Well... It is for me. I've never seen anything like it in my whole life. I'm convinced that sound can break solid objects and even kill people, but... But I still don't believe that Stark can do it with his voice. Oh, not again. Mayor White, I was here when Stark was hit by lightning. I heard him myself. And I swear to you, he carries the power of sound in his voice. Great Good Caesar. heavens. Well, Chief? All right, Kent, you win. I'll have to believe it. Me too, Clark. I take back all I said. Okay, now that you both realize how deadly he is, now how do we get him? It seems impossible. Yes. Can you help us, Johnson? I'm afraid not, Mayor White. Until man can learn to withstand sound such as Stark can produce, it's impossible. Can learn to withstand sound. Learn to withstand... Great, Scott, that's it. That's what? Now I know how we can get Stark. The only way we can get him. Struck with a sudden idea, Kent strides quickly over to the sound projector, then rubs his hands in satisfaction as Lois, Perry White, and Johnson stare at him in amazement. What does Kent plan to do? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. After witnessing an amazing demonstration of the power of sound in the mountain laboratory, Clark Kent suddenly leaped as though stung. I've got it. Now I know how we can lick Butcher Stark. What? How, Clark? I, I can't tell you now, Lois. Well, why not? I've got to be sure it works, Chief. Come on, I'll take you back to Metropolis. Then I can go to work on my idea. Sure, Kent didn't leave a message for me, Carl. He told me to meet him here. Honestly, Bruce, I've never seen a man behave so strangely. Well, what do you mean? He shouted something about an idea of how to get Stark. Then he rushed Mayor White and Lois Lane out of here. He gave them a chance to say goodbye. That's funny. I wonder what I'm supposed to do now. Well, I... You do nothing, Bruce, but stand by and watch. What the... Superman. Well, how... how what... I'll have to apologize for my friend Kent, Mr. Johnson, but he was pretty wild about his idea and wanted to get to work on it right away. Well, of course, but... Where is he? Well, uh, he sent me here in his place, figuring I'd be the best one for the job he had in mind. Well, what did you have in mind? It was his idea, Bruce. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. Well, what is it? The idea is for Mr. Johnson bombard me with sound. What? Give us that again. Johnson is to bombard me with sound from that projector. Keep hitting me with it until I can take it. Then I'll be ready to meet Stark on his own ground. Holy smoke. But, but that's impossible, Superman, even for you. Why? I don't know Stark's range. If that projector reaches an impossible volume of sound, it could conceivably blast every living thing off this earth. Nevertheless, I want to try it. Beginning right now. 
his blue steel eyes blazing with determination, Superman makes a dangerous decision, despite the fact that he well remembers his two encounters with Butcher Stark's power. Mr. Johnson says the laboratory projector is many times stronger. What effect will this test have on the Man of Steel? Gang, you won't want to miss tomorrow's suspense-packed episode, so don't fail to listen. Same time, same station, for Chapter 10 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the adventure, uh, the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in an effort to arm himself against the sonic power of Butcher Stark's voice, prepares to undergo a series of dangerous tests which he will pit his might against the overwhelming force of sound. All right, Johnson. I'm ready. Are you, are you sure you want to go through with this, Superman? Of course I'm sure. But you know what happened when you came up against the sonic power in Stark's voice? This projector is a hundred times stronger. I know what I'm doing, Johnson. If I can learn to stand up against the projector, I can meet Stark on his own ground. So go on, turn on the power. Give it to me wide open.
Gang, have you ever really looked at the stars? I mean more than just a glance to see how pretty they are. Well, try it some clear night when most of them are visible, and you will see that there are enough interesting things in the heavens to keep you going for the rest of your life. For instance, just imagine that you could hitch onto a passing comet. By the time you grew to be an old man, you would perhaps have seen most of the planets. But you would never get anywhere near the stars, because traveling at the rate of 200 miles a second, it would take you 4,000 years to reach the nearest star. And for even a better idea of the immense distances, I can tell you that the light from some of the stars you see tonight started on its way to the Earth in the days of the caveman. So you're really looking at a tremendous amount of space when you gaze overhead at night. Of course, men haven't always thought of space like that. Why, way back in history, men began wondering about the sun, the moon, and the stars, and in their ignorance, they decided that the sun and the moon were father and mother gods traveling around the Earth. The ancient Greeks did a tremendous amount of thinking about the stars and tried to figure explanation for them. The poets imagined animals and heroes in the stars and named most of our constellations like Orion the Hunter and the Great and Little Bears, while the mathematicians spent their time reckoning what made all the planets and stars keep moving. Finally, an Egyptian by the name of Ptolemy, after extensive research and years of study, came to the conclusion that everything revolved around Earth. This seemed to make sense, but it was all wrong. In just a little while, I'll tell you why. So keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Now at large, after escaping from Superman a second time, Butcher Stark, the ruthless killer with the deadly power of sound in his voice, is a constant threat to law and order, especially since his alliance with the Scarlet Widow, which has created one of the most formidable criminal partnerships ever known. Realizing his only hope of ever defeating Stark lies in overcoming the power of his voice, Superman has decided on an exhaustive series of tests, pitting his might against the destructive force of ultra-high-frequency sound. And to that end, we find him now with Bruce Wayne, the famous Batman, in the sonic laboratory in the mountains. Speaking quickly, the Man of Steel outlines his plan to Carl Johnson, the laboratory technician. As I understand it, Johnson, your sound projector is a hundred times more powerful than Butcher Stark's voice. Is that right? Yes, Superman, it is. All right, then. If I can learn how to take that amount of sound, dealing with Stark will be a picnic in comparison. But well, what if you can't take it, Superman? That's what we're going to find out right now. No, if anything happened to you, I'd, I'd feel like a murderer. Listen, Johnson, if we don't do anything to put an end to Stark's power, we'll all be murderers. So let's not argue about it anymore. We've got work to do. I know, He's but... He's right, I... Carl. Go on, help him. All right. But I'd rather do it outside. Outside? What difference does it make? Well, it's for Superman's own protection. Now, wait a minute. I don't want to... I'm sorry. If I'm going to do this, you'll have to let me do it my own way. Well, all right, but I still don't see why we... It could go wrong. If you find you can't absorb the sound, you'll be trapped in the room. You won't be able to get away from it. Why not? Well, you can always turn off the projector, can't you? Yes, yes, but I can't control the after image. The what? The after image. It's sort of an echo that reverberates in the room for some time after the projector has been turned off. And it may be just enough to injure Superman. I see. But outside, that echo is diffused, isn't that it? Yes, there's nothing to confine it out there. So it scatters almost immediately. Is there any danger of harming someone outside? Oh, we're pretty well isolated out here. It'll be quite safe, I assure you. Well, all right, let's go. Oh, wait, we'll have to get this projector out on the roof of the lab. And it won't be an easy job. It weighs almost half a ton. Oh, don't let that worry you. What do you mean? You forget, Johnson. This man is Superman. Oh, yes, of course. Now, just tell me what is to be moved where, and we'll be ready to go to work in no time. Well, Johnson, all set now? Almost, Superman. Now, look, Superman, you're sure you want to go through with this? Let's not start that again, Bruce. Okay, okay. And suppose you do get through it all right. Suppose you learn how to withstand the power of Stark's voice. Then what? Then we start looking for him. Look for him? 
For all the news we've had about him, he might just as well have fallen down a well somewhere. Don't you worry. We'll pick up his trail sooner or later. Forget the Scarlet Widow is too smart to be satisfied with a simple bank robbery. She knows she's got something in Stark, and she's going to make the most of it. No doubt. You know, I can hardly believe she's back. I thought she was dead. Yeah, I thought so, too. Seeing her there in the airport really threw me off stride. Gave Stark his chance to overcome me. I shouldn't wonder. All right, Superman, I'm ready. Good. Go on, Bruce. You better get back there with Johnson. Okay. Good luck. Thanks. And cheer up, will you? You're not going to a funeral. Well, I, I certainly hope not. Your helmet tight, Bruce? Yes, but why do I have to wear it out here, Carl? You're beaming the sound away from us, aren't you? Yes, but I'm not taking any chances. How about it over there? Okay, Superman. Here goes. Hey, what's the matter with the projector? I don't hear anything. Oh, this sound is way above the range of the human ear. But Superman feels it. Look at him. Great Scott, he's reeling. Shut it off, Carl. Shut it off. No, wait. He's recovering. There, look at him. He's walking right into the sound. Literally holding back the sound waves with his hands. Great gun. All right. This is too easy. What are you doing, Johnson? Kidding me? No. Just working up by degrees. Stand by now. Here comes more. Oh, Johnson. You've knocked him off his feet. Yes. But look, he's fighting back. Maybe he's still in trouble. Look at him weave around. The pressure seems to be affecting his sense of balance. He's certainly a glutton for punishment, Bruce. He always was. not weaving around as much now. Oh, he's straightening out. I think he's licked it. Oh, but this is only half the power. Well, that's enough. Turn it off again. Hey, what's the idea? You've proved your point. No sense going on with this. Johnson, did you use full power? Well... He used enough. Did you, Johnson? No, I only used half. And the test isn't finished. Give it to me again. And this time, open up all the way. Look, be reasonable. Will you ready, Johnson? Oh, wait, Superman. I don't think we can continue the test. Why not? Well, look at the ground all around you. What about it? Even using half the power, we've killed every blade of grass and weed oh. and opened cracks in the ground. I'm afraid the power of sound might start a landslide. Hey, I never thought of that. We can take care of that very easily. Up! Up! And you reach me up here, Johnson? Well, yes, but I... All right, then, let's go! Okay, if you insist... I want full power. Open your sound projector all the way! Anything you say, stand by! Keep your fingers crossed, Bruce. Hey, brother, I've got them crossed so tight they ache. Here goes. Let her come. Watch him closely, Bruce. I am. Hey, say, it isn't having any effect on him. How come? What's going on down there? The projector isn't aimed right. Wait a minute. Now. There. That's a good... All right. Good Lord. He's falling. No, no. He, he hit the ground and he isn't moving. Horrified Bruce Wayne of Johnson's hands frozen. The man of steel lies still on the ground before them. His red cape twisted and crumpled around him. Has Superman finally succumbed to a power greater than his own? A force even stronger than kryptonite? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Testing himself against the power of sound in order to meet Butcher Stark on equal terms, Superman was hit by a sonic wave containing the full strength of the projector. And before the horrified eyes of Bruce Wayne and Carl Johnson plummeted helplessly earthward... Superman, are you all right? Yes, but... Ah, you really threw the book at me that time, didn't you? Well, you you yeah. asked for full power. Yes, I know I did. Ah. All right, let's try it again. No, you can't. You've had enough. Let I... me be the judge of that, Bruce. Go on, huh, Johnson. Get back to that projector. We'll try it again. Stand by, Superman! We're ready! Fine. Keep 
It's a big city. I'm going to try watching it this time. All right. Be careful, will you? Don't worry. Turn it up. Here it comes. And here he comes. What happened? I didn't feel a thing. I don't know. The projector is on. Then keep it on. I'll go out and try it again. Up! Up! And away! Hey, Scott, look at him. Trample. He's turning now. Coming back. Watch him. Still don't get any reaction. Why, I don't understand it. The sound waves are going out full strength. Wait a minute. I think I've got it, Superman. What? Look. Speed, it's the speed of light. Yes? As you rush through the air toward the projector, your speed probably sets up a shock wave which overpowers and dissipates the sound wave. Great, Scott. You may be right. The sound waves haven't had a chance to reach you. Well, I'll be... You've done it, Superman. That's the answer. Yes, so it seems. But now we need the answer to another question. Where do we find Butcher Stark? And as Superman ponders his next move, the answer is being supplied at this moment by a new service bulletin being teletyped all over the country. Butcher Stark and the Scarlet Widow have made their next move. And Dick Grayson, who is Robin, Batman's young friend and partner, is one of their victims. What will happen now? Gang, Superman really goes into action tomorrow, so don't fail to listen. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 11 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, 
wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman in his guise of Clark Kent searches for a lead to Butcher Stark's whereabouts, he receives a clue and a warning of trouble for young Robin. Listen to this, Kent. I think we've got something. What is it, Chief? A bulletin from our press service in Chicago. It says two men were found dead in a wrecked car, but the car wasn't in the smash-up. What? Let me see that. Here. Uh, you think it may be dark? Well, it certainly looks as if... Hey, what's this? A young boy was found unconscious near the wreck. Great Scott! Dick Grayson! <laughs> You know, gang, I can't think of anything that's more fun than sitting around a campfire at night and telling ghost stories. After a long day spent swimming, boating, playing baseball, or performing any one of the thousand and one activities you find at camp, it feels mighty good to relax after dark and to sit with your pals by the fire, swapping marvelous tales of terror and suspense. Later, of course, when taps is sounded, you go off to your cabin or tent. You're excited and thrilled. And even though you wouldn't admit it to your best buddy, a little scared, too. That's quite normal, though it sometimes takes you a while longer than usual to fall asleep. You listen to all the sounds of the night outside your cabin, branches scraping against the wall, the sighing of the wind, and you wonder whether the tales you've heard of evil spirits might not be true after all. But deep down inside, you know that there aren't really such things as ghosts, goblins, and witches. That's not to say, however, that there aren't evil spirits in the world today. There are evil spirits in the world today, but they aren't supernatural. The evil spirits of the day are intolerance, bigotry, greed, disregard for the rights of others. Those are the evil spirits of modern times, and it's up to us, all of us, not to be afraid of them, but to fight them. Fight them and beat them. So do your part, gang. Fight so that the good spirits of today, justice, peace, and brotherhood, may prevail at last in all the nations of the world. <laughs> Adventures of Superman. In order to meet the ruthless killer Butcher Stark and withstand the deadly sonic power of his voice, Superman underwent a series of rigorous tests at the sonic laboratory in the mountains, where he pitted his might against the overwhelming power of sound. The result was as unexpected as it was revealing, for the Man of Steel discovered within himself the perfect defense against Stark, a defense based on his unbelievable speed, which he learned sets up a wall of resistance to the deadly sonic power. Now we find Superman in his guise of Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter, back in the offices of the Daily Planet, where, with editor Perry White, he checks police reports from all over the country in an effort to find a trace of Butcher Stark and the Scarlet Widow. Well, I don't know how you feel about it, Kent, but as far as I'm concerned, these reports don't tell us a thing. Well, I'd have to agree with you, Chief. It seems as if every town constable and village sheriff has seen somebody, but not the man we want. Yeah, I know. Well, he's got to be somewhere. He couldn't just vanish. Well, maybe he's holed up and is waiting until things cool off. Now, he's been in jail a long time, Chief. I doubt if he has the patience to wait. Besides, he must feel pretty sure of himself with that sonic power of his. Well, we'll just have to keep going out fearless for him. on the police of other cities until they turn up something. Yeah, I know, but in the meantime, someone may suffer. Stark may... Oh, no, I know, I know, but it can't be helped. No, your phone. Maybe it's more news. Uh, very wise, speaking. Oh, just a minute. Uh, it's for you, Ken. It's Bruce Wayne. Oh, thanks. Hello, Bruce. Clark, I'm off 
awfully worried. Why? What's up? Well, you know Robin is visiting in Chicago, don't you? Yes. Well, when I got home last night after the test ran up at the Sonic Laboratory, I found a wire from him saying he was on the trail of something hot and would try to phone me later in the evening. Oh, swell. Well, why should that upset you? Because he didn't call. I waited until after midnight, then I tried to reach him. And? I couldn't get a hold of him. I called his hotel, I called his friends, and nobody knew where he was. Hmm. Did, did you try again this morning? Yes, and learned that he wasn't at his hotel all night. Uh-oh. The key to his room was never picked up, and he didn't get any of the messages I left for him. I see. Clark, you know I told him about Butcher Stark and asked him to keep an eye open for him. Yes, I know. But I'm afraid he may have got into trouble. Oh, now, look, I wouldn't jump to conclusions, Bruce. Well, hang it all, where is he? Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll ask Perry White to contact the police commissioner in Chicago. Oh, what's that? Just a minute, Chief. And then they can be on the lookout for him, and we no, can... wait, wait. It'd be kind of silly to start a mess like that if Robin was really all right. Oh, don't you worry about that. They'll do it on the QT as a favor to the chief. Now, look here, Kent. What are you getting me into? I'll explain in a minute, Chief. Okay, Bruce? Well, all right. But if I don't hear anything by tonight, I'm going out there myself. Fine. Now, just you relax. I'll call you later. Thanks, Clark. So long. So long. Now, what's this all about? Bruce is afraid something happened to his young friend, Rob... Uh, I mean, Dick Grayson. You see, the, the boy's in Chicago, and Bruce hasn't been able to get hold of him. Oh, I Look, see. Chief, uh, do me a favor and wire the commissioner there, will you? Ask him to have his men look. No, hold it, Kent. Hold it. Uh, come in. Mr. White. Oh, are you Mr. Kent? Hello, Beanie. No, what do you want? Miss Lane asked me to give you... Well, what is it? It's a report from the Chicago office. Just came off the press teleton. She thought you'd want to see it. Oh, thanks. What does it say, Chief? The bodies of two racketeers were found in a wrecked car on the lake shore. Although the car was a total loss, there was no evidence of a crash or explosion, and the causes of death are still a mystery. Great Scott. Do you think it might be... Now wait, wait. There's more. In addition, a boy, identified by papers in his possession as Dick Grayson... Was Dick Grayson? ...some distance from the car and is now in city hospital in serious condition. So that's what happened to Dick. Well, that's Wayne's young friend, isn't it? Yes. Now, you think he killed with Butcher Stark? He must have. Chief, please get hold of Inspector Henderson right away. Tell him to get all the details from the Chicago police and call me at Bruce Wayne's apartment. Hurry, please. Are you sure, Clark? Maybe it's a mistake. Oh, I'm afraid not. The way it stacks up now, Robin must have picked up Stark's trail somehow and got mixed up in some job Stark was doing. Why would the young fool want to tangle with Stark? Well, I don't think he did. Or he wouldn't be alive now. Stark was apparently after the two men who were found dead, and Robin got too close, so... Oh, I'll take it if you don't mind, Bruce. It may be the chief. Right. Oh. Kent? Yes, Chief. Henderson, know anything? He called Chicago and checked for me. Yes? Autopsies on the two men revealed that they were subjected to some unbearable pressure. That clinches it. It was Stark. Yes. What about the boy? Uh, he's in pretty bad shape, I'm afraid. Oh? You'd better tell Wayne to get out there as fast as he can. Oh. Uh, All right. will be back at the office. Uh, I don't know. What? I'm going to Chicago with Bruce. Now, wait a minute. I'll see you when I get back, Chief. You can't do this to me! So long. Clark, what did you say about Robin? Well, he, he didn't know too much, Bruce, so we're going to have to find out for ourselves. Well, when can you leave? Right now. Good. Get set to go by Superman Express. Off with these clothes. Why was I you can com- get you there in no time as Superman. Thanks, Clark. There we are. Now, you set? Check. All right. Up with this window. Hang on now. Right. Next stop, Robin's bedside at the hospital. Up! Up and away! You say you're a young Grayson's guardian, Mr. Wayne. Yes, Doctor. Dick's lived with me ever since he was orphaned. I see. How is the boy, Doctor? Well, I I don't know quite how to tell you. What do you mean? Well, will he... Will he... Mr. Wayne, I'm afraid you've arrived too late. Oh, no. Are you sure, Doctor? Isn't there something? I'm sorry, Superman. Nothing short of a miracle can save the boy's life now. He's beyond human help. Sympathetic but apparently helpless, the kindly doctor somberly pronounces a grim verdict, while Superman and his friend Batman stand by the side of a hospital bed on which lies the still rigid figure of young Dick Grayson, better known as Robin. 
Is there really nothing that can be done for him? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Stunned by the doctor's pronouncement of Robin's great condition, Batman stands at the boy's bedside, grief-stricken, as Superman questions the doctor. But what is it? What's wrong with him? He suffered a great physical shock, Superman. A traumatic condition. It seems to be impossible to rouse him. Doctor, have you tried everything? Everything, Mr. Wayne. From plasma to every known drug, and it's had no effect. There must be something else. There must be. Easy, Bruce. Easy. Doctor, isn't it possible to counteract a shock such as he suffered by administering another shock? Yes, and that's the only thing we haven't tried yet, because... Well, it should be done with electricity, but I'm afraid the boy couldn't stand it. His heart might fail. Well, uh, what about... What about extreme cold? No, we've tried that. Ice baths don't help. I'm not thinking of ice baths, Doctor. Listen, will you let me try to revive him? You? But what can you do? I can give him a shock comparable to the one he received by carrying him up to the sub-freezing temperatures of the stratosphere. He, he couldn't breathe up there. He'll only be up there for a few seconds. How about it? Do you think it might work? Well, it might do it, but I'm in no position to permit it. It's not up to me to gamble with the boy's life. What do you say, Bruce? You're his legal guardian. Will you trust me to help him? Well, I... I... Can you help him, Superman? I think so. But it's a gamble. Well, if you think so, it's no gamble. Go ahead. All right, come on, Dick. Hold on, like this. Well, just what are you going to do with him? What I told the doctor. Give him a shot to match the one he received. Okay, stand by. We'll be back soon. Very well. Take care of him, Superman. You know I will, Bruce. Superman gets into the sky, forging thousands of feet upward with every powerful thrust of his legs. The air grows thin and cold, bitterly cold, and the man of steel watches Robin's face closely. Come on, boy. Come on, snap out of it. The first seconds pass quickly, and there is no reaction. Robin's face is still pale and set. But then, as Superman wheels up through the frigid stratosphere, there is a sudden change. The boy's lips turn blue. His chest labors painfully as he fights for life-giving oxygen. But his eyes remain closed. Has Superman taken too much of a chance? Has he gambled with Robin's life only to lose? We'll find out in tomorrow's action-packed episode, gang, so don't miss it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 12 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serials to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. (laughs) 
Today, Superman carries young Dick Grayson through the stratosphere in a desperate attempt to save the boy's life. And Bruce Wayne, who is the famous Batman, is with a doctor, watching anxiously from a hospital window as they wait for the return of the Man of Steel. Can you see them, Doctor? No, they're out of sight. Probably up in the stratosphere by now. Oh, how I hope Superman's stunt works. So do I, Mr. Wayne. But he's taking a desperate chance. I admit the stub-freezing temperatures of the stratosphere may revive the boy, but at the same time, he can't breathe in that thin air. Superman knows what he's doing. I trust him. Of course. Now, wait, wait, wait. I see them. Where? They're coming out of that cloud. Oh, yes. I wonder if... Great guns! What's the matter? That's that's Dick coming down alone. He's he's falling out of the sky. Gang, do you know how lucky you are to be living in a free country like the United States? A country in which a man is judged by what he is, not on a basis of his background socially, financially, or otherwise. Let's illustrate that by taking two boys as examples. And let's call them Albert and John. Albert's family is very wealthy, so he's had every opportunity you can possibly imagine. For instance, he learned to swim from an excellent swimming coach in his private swimming pool. And when he was ten, his parents sent him to a very fine boys' camp. Now, John is a boy who is not so fortunate. He learned to swim from older kids when the gang went down to the river on hot summer days. He spent a couple of weeks at a Boy Scout camp and the rest of the summer outdoors with his pals learning by experience. Now, suppose you had the chance to pick Albert or John to be your friend for a long time. Would you know just from what I've told you which one to pick? Of course not. You see, America is founded on the principle that all men are created equal, according to the Declaration of Independence. So the fact that one boy has money and the other hasn't makes no difference. Albert might be a terrible snob. Or he might be a really swell guy who uses his chances to make himself an all-around guy. On the other hand, John might be a nasty kid who loves to annoy people all the time. And then again, he might be a regular fellow who always tries hard to make friends. You never can tell, you see. What you should want to know is, what sort of a guy is he? Gang, that's the only way to judge friends and acquaintances in a true democracy. <laughs> Adventures of Superman! Armed with the knowledge that his speed, the speed of light, would equalize the deadly sonic power of Butcher Stark's voice, Superman and his guys of Clark Kent began the difficult task of tracing the killer and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow. And the first indication of their whereabouts came in a news release from Chicago, reporting the mysterious death of two notorious underworld characters. But Kent's satisfaction was dampened by the additional news that Dick Grayson, Batman's young companion Robin, was found near the scene of the crime, unconscious. Assuming his true identity, the Man of Steel rocketed to Chicago with Batman, and there found Robin in a city hospital, his condition grave. Superman went into immediate action. Holding the unconscious boy tenderly in his arms, soared into the sky, reaching for the sub-freezing temperatures of the stratosphere in the hope that the intense cold would supply the severe shock necessary to bring Dick out of it. Circling in the thin, airless atmosphere, a zone impossible of sustaining human life, Superman watches the boy's drawn, pale face carefully, hoping, praying for a change. Come on, Dick. Come on, boy, snap out of it. You've got to snap out of it. Then there is a change, but not one hope for. Young Grayson's lips and cheeks turn blue, and his chest labors painfully. Even though unconscious, he instinctively fights for his life, fighting for oxygen not to be had. Dick. Dick, can you hear me? Great Scott, he needs air. But he's still unconscious. Can't keep him up here another second. But I haven't given him the shock he needs. Well, there's only one thing I can do now. Here you go, boy. Pausing in flight, Superman suddenly opens his arms. 
The boy tumbles headlong through the air, falling toward the earth miles below. Curling down in tight circles around the plummeting body of the boy known as Robin, Superman maintains his anxious watch, searching for the first sign of the youngster's regaining consciousness as he falls to within 30,000 feet of the earth. Then 10,000. 5,000. Now barely 1,000 feet from the ground, Superman detects a change. A change for the better. Color floods the boy's cheeks. The color of life. With renewed hope, the man of steel scoops the boy into his arms and carries him back to the hospital where Bruce Wayne and the doctor wait. Anxious questions crowding their lips. Superman. Let me see the boy quickly. Yes, Bruce, he's all right. I think we've done it, doctor. Here, I'll I'll put him on the bed. Quickly, ring for a nurse. Okay, but will he be... See, doctor, he's breathing normally. There's this color in his cheek. Yes, yes, I see. There may be a chance. Now, if you gentlemen will please wait outside. We should know the answer in a very short while. What's taking that doctor so long? Wait a minute, Bruce. Coming out now. Please, Lord, please make Robert well. Well, doctor? You may go in now, gentlemen. Does that mean... It means everything will be all right. Oh, thank heaven. The boy is conscious, and he will recover. So help me, Bruce. I never heard anything like it in my life. The sound cut through me like a sword. I thought my head was going to split wide open. I'll bet that was Butcher Stark, all right. Well, how do you feel now, Dick? Do you feel well enough to talk? Oh, sure. Then let's have the story, huh? From the beginning. Okay, here it is. After Batman called me from Metropolis and asked me to nose around, I began checking all the local airports. Uh Uh-huh. Not only the ones close to the city, but the small airstrips 50 and 60 miles out. Good boy. I was lucky. The plane you described came in the night before at a small field and landed because something was wrong with the engine. What a break that was. Oh. Well, there were three people on the plane. Three people? Uh Uh-huh. Two men and a woman. And they didn't wait to see the plane repaired. They took a cab all the way into Chicago, saying they'd be back in a couple of days. Did you trace the cab? Oh, sure, it was easy. They went to a pool room in the stockyard area of the city. Now, hang out for some pretty crummy characters. I wonder what Stark and the Scarlet Widow picked up the other man. And what for? Oh, probably someone the Scarlet Widow knew, a man who could fly a plane. Oh, I get it. Well, what did you learn in the pool room, Dick? Well, yesterday evening, things seemed ready to pop. I waited and watched. Fellas were walking in and out of a back room, and I figured some big shot was holding a meeting there. I tried to get in myself, but I couldn't. That was dangerous. And then two men came out. One of them was the boss, I think. The real big wake, the way everybody spoke to him. Yeah. And he and his friend looked like they were up to something. So I decided to tag along. Well, how did you do that? Oh, you know, the old trick. I ducked out ahead of them and hid in the trunk of their car. Oh, you sure take chances, son. And how? Well, I figured it was worth it. Anyhow, they drove to the spot on the lake shore in part. I waited a couple of minutes, and then I ducked out of the trunk to see what was happening. And boy, did I get an eyeful. What did you see? They were waiting to give someone a royal reception. Huh? With submachine guns. Uh-oh. I decided that things were going to get a little too hot. So I moved out. I waited about 50 feet away. I'm glad you used your head that time. <laughs> Thanks again. About two minutes later, another car came down the shore drive and pulled up 100 feet away from the car I'd left. It was dark, but I could just make out the outlines of two people in the front seat. Stark and the Scarlet Widow. It was too dark to be sure. Anyhow, one of them got out and walked over to my pals. And the next thing I know, wow, that awful noise. And I guess I folded for a nice long nap. Brother, you don't know how long that nap might have been. Listen, Dick. You remember where that pool room is? Sure, I'll take you there. You'll do no such thing. You're staying put, young man. Oh, now, wait a minute. Bruce is right. You've done enough. Oh, I cut out when things are just starting to get exciting. It won't be so exciting. This will be just routine. Now, where is it? Come on, give. Well, 
The place is called the Ace Billiard Academy on Fremont Street. Right. You ready, Bruce? Ready, willing, and able. Okay, let's go. Come on, out through this window. Up, up, and away! <laughs> Must be close. We are. Fremont Street is over to the left. Hold tight. Hey, hey, don't cut your corner so sharp. <laughs> Sorry. There, that's Fremont Street. Now, the East Billiard. Say, what's going on? Huh? That crowd standing around in the street. Yeah, something's happened down there. Look, police cars, an ambulance, people being carried out in stretchers. That man, we're too late. What? Look at the front of that building. It's shattered. Butcher Stark and the Scarlet Widow have beaten us to it again. <laughs> Low over Fremont Street, Superman and Batman stare with gloomy eyes at the shattered exterior of the pool room, which gives mute but clear evidence of Butcher Stark's presence. What will Superman do now? Will he be able to pick up the trail again? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! With an important source of information cut off by Butcher Stark's destructive power, Superman and Batman are now on their way to the small airstrip on the outskirts of Chicago, where they hope to pick up the trail of the killer. Think we can make the airfield in time? Well, no, sir. Not Batman. We're almost there. Good. You know, I'm still trying to figure out why in the world Stark blasted that pool room. The cover is tracks, I suppose. Now, if we don't catch up to him at the airport, we'll have to start looking all over again. And it'll mean the lives of more people. Hey, hey, there's an airport. Is that... Yep, that's the one we want. Hang on. Down! Down! Well, you recognize the plane? Well, let's, let's look around here. Well, what about that ship down there, near the hangar? No, that's not it. And it's not in the hangar either. Well, then what? They're gone, Batman. Oh, no. Yes. Now we have to start from scratch again. Do the whole job all over. Crestfallen, the man of steel and his friend Batman stand on the airport runway, momentarily confused and unable to plan a clear course of action. Like grim will of the wisps, Butcher Stark and the Scarlet Widow strike and disappear, their next port of call unknown. Can Superman catch up with them? There's plenty of action and excitement in our next gripping episode, gang, so be sure to listen. Same time, same station, for chapter 13 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as 
Once again, Butcher Stark, the ruthless killer, possesses deadly sonic power, and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow, strikes and vanish. Superman and Batman come to a frightening realization. Batman, do you realize that this is the sixth time we've missed them? The sixth time. This was just a bad break, Superman. Another few minutes one way or the other, and we would have had them. Yeah. We'll be Johnny on the spot the next move they make. We can't wait for the next move. If we wait for Stark and the Widow to strike again, more lives may be lost. We've got to hit them first. We've got to find them and wipe them out. The other day at the beach gang, I watched two kids build a tunnel in the sand. They dug a hole clean through the sand pile, but they scooped away the sand too fast, and the whole tunnel collapsed. Their carelessness, as you see, had undermined the sand pile. Now, undermining used to cause a lot of accidents in and on top of coal mines. Miners would tunnel under the earth, steadily chop-chopping with their pickaxes, and suddenly they'd take out one shovelful too many. Their tunnel would cave in. Fortunately, undermining doesn't often happen nowadays because miners have learned new methods of shoring and foundation work. Now, I wish the people who go around carelessly undermining the morale of our country could see the enormous damage that a little thoughtless digging can cause. You see, our country is like a great building, strong as reinforced concrete, firmly anchored on a good foundation. But no matter how strong the concrete and how firm the foundation, no building can withstand underground tunneling that undermines its support. It's bound to sag and crack and possibly even collapse. Now, every time you hear some bigot utter an insult against a fellow American, you're witnessing a case of undermining. For every bigoted remark that stirs up racial or religious hatred removes shovels full of our good, solid national foundation. Yes, bigots are little people who, like moles, work underground, and they can sure do a lot of damage with their steady chop-chopping. But every time you shut them up, you're like a good miner using modern methods. You're putting in shoring to hold the foundation. Unity is the foundation on which our democracy resists. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. Once again, resuming his guise of Clark Kent, Superman has begun the difficult task of tracing Butcher Stark, the escaped convict, whose voice contains the fearsome power of sound. Leaving Batman to question the manager of the small airport just outside of Chicago, from which the killer and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow, took off for parts unknown, Kent raced back to the city, hoping to pick up a clue from one of the victims of Stark's power. Now we join the mild-mannered reporter in Central Police Headquarters, where he is introduced to a small, frightened-looking, yellow-haired man by Captain Gray, head of the Detective Bureau. Who is this, Captain Gray? This is Blonde Louie, Kent. The only man who was in that pool parlor who was able to talk right now. Oh. What do you want from me? I don't I know. just want to ask you a few questions, Louie. For instance, what happened over at the pool hall? I don't know. I don't know. Like I already told the captain, I'm in the bathroom minding my own business, and all of a sudden I hear a funny noise, oh. and I... I feel like my brain's just coming out of my ears, and, and that's all I remember. How do you like that, eh, Kent? He wants us to believe he heard a funny noise and he passed out. If that isn't one for the books. No, he's telling the truth, Captain Gray. Huh? What are you giving me, Kent? The facts. And it only takes a call to Inspector Henderson of the Metropolis Police to verify them. That's why I'm in Chicago now. Well, I never heard such a story in all my life. Look, you've heard of Butcher Stark, haven't you? Sure, we're on the lookout for him here. Well, you just missed him. Because he was the cause of that blast at the pool room and the deaths of those two racketeers you found on the lake shore yesterday. Now, look, you can't... How could Stark... I'll tell you about it later, Captain. Louis, uh, you said you were in the back room of the pool hall when it happened. That makes you a pretty important fella, doesn't it? Huh? I, I don't know what you're getting at. Mr. Starling, Louis, you were in pretty solid with Bailey. He's the big shot, Cantor was. Oh? One of the men found dead in the car? Right. 
Well, then, Louie, you probably know why Bailey was parked in that car, waiting in ambush. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't give us that. Come on, spill it. You must know why there was so much activity around the pool hall yesterday, why everybody seemed so worried. You must know, too, why Bailey went out with one of his thugs to kill someone. No, I, I don't know nothing. I, I just hang around the pool hall. I Listen, saw. Louie, eight men were carried out of that place this morning, and out of the eight, you are the only one who's up on his feet. Five are dead and two others in serious condition. Funny you should be okay, isn't it? I didn't have nothing to do with it, I swear it. I passed out. I don't know what happened. All right, skip that. I don't care what happened this morning. What I want to know is what went on yesterday. I, I don't know. Bailey had a visitor, didn't he? Two visitors, in fact. A man and a woman, right? How, how did you know? Never mind. You recognized one of them, didn't you? The man. He'd been around there before, isn't that so? Look, mister, I, I don't want to get no... That man was Butcher Stark, wasn't it? I... I... Answer the question. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was the butcher. And there was a woman with him? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know her. I don't. Well, never mind. What were they doing there? Well, they was trying to cut in. The dame had the press to say she was taken over. What? Yeah. She said she was taken over not only from Bailey, but from all the mobs in the city. She was going to run the work, she said. Now, who could that be? That's the Scarlet Widow. What did Bailey say, Louie? He wanted to pitch her out of the office, but then... Well, then butcher did something. I don't know what. I wasn't around, but the other guy said Bailey fell on the floor holding his head. Butcher didn't even touch him. What is this? Go on, Louie. What happened then? Well, I heard they they made a date to get together and talk things over. Yes? But Bailey wasn't going to talk. He took along a chatter gun and... Well, that's all we ever heard from him. Didn't you hear from the woman? Or Stark? Yeah. Yeah, late last night, after Bailey was rubbed out, they come back and said they meant business and for everybody to be around in the morning. And I suppose you all tried to throw them out. I, I guess so, but I wasn't in on it. I was in the back room. Okay, Louie. Thanks. That's all I want to know. And, uh... Thank you for your courtesy, Captain Gray. Just a minute, Kent. You seem to know a lot more about this than I do. Yes, but you'll probably get a lot more information from Inspector Henderson. Okay, but where can I reach you, just in case? Well, that I'm afraid I don't know yet. See, I'm going to meet Bat... Uh, I'm going to meet a, a friend of mine now, and it all depends on what he has to tell me. So long. Where'd you get the car, Bruce? Rented it. Figured we'd get around a lot easier and we'd have a place to talk privately. Good. Have you been up to the airport? Uh-huh. What gives there? I'm not sure. What do you mean by that? Well, we may have something and then again we may not. Oh, come on, come on. Stop talking in riddles. Well, this much I know. Stark and the Scarlet Widow left the field in their plane about a half an hour before we got there. Oh, that was close. It makes all the difference in the world. Go on. Well, they carried a full load of gas, giving them a range of some 1,200 miles, according to the field manager. You mean 1,200 out and 12 back? No, 1,200 altogether. Oh. 600 miles would be their point of return. Yeah, that's a lot of territory. Yes, but we can narrow it down a little, I think. Oh, how? Well, reach in my pocket and you'll find a map and a sheet of tracing paper. Oh. Yeah, I have them. Where'd you get them? The map I bought at the field. It's a regional chart of the northern part of the Midwest. And the tracing paper? The field manager says the pilot of Stark's plane dropped it. Oh, pull over to the side of the road. Let's have a look at it. Okay. Now, now look. There's a line drawn on it, see? Yes, a broken line and some numbers at various points on it. Well, I haven't been able to find out what they mean yet. 16NE, then 120, and at the end of the line, 2332. And there's more at the bottom of the sheet. Where? Oh, yes. WVAR20N. Huh. What does all that mean? Well, the way I figure it, the pilot of Stark's plane laid out a course on this sheet of tracing paper while holding it over a map like this. Why a map like this one, particularly? Well, it's the only one outside of the smaller sectional charts that shows the field of departure. Oh, I see. Well, then if we lay the tracing paper over the map like this, we'd get... Hey, but wait. We don't know which direction the line takes. Go anywhere, north, south, east, or west. Well, I doubt it'll go east. 
That would mean Stark and the Scarlet Widow were doubling back. And things are pretty hot back there for them now. Yeah, that's true. And if they went north, they'd be leaving the country, going up into Canada. You think they might do that? Well, that would indicate they're running out, which I doubt, Bruce. The pickings are much better here. Well, then that leaves a 1,200-mile arc from south to west. Yeah, it's a lot of territory, but it's our one chance. Our one hope of stopping them before they cause any more damage. You're right, Kent. The answer is in this piece of paper, Bruce. And somehow we've got to find it. Clutching the flimsy sheet of tracing paper in his hands, Kent stares at the thin, broken line and the puzzling figures beside it. What do they mean? Can this paper lead him to butcher Stark? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! It is early evening, and the plane drones steadily southwestward through a calm sky. In the cabin, a man and woman plot their next move. The man is Butcher Stark, and the woman is the Scarlet Widow. You understand now, Butcher? You know what we are to do? Yeah, yeah, Widow, I know, I know. You sound impatient, my friend. You must never be impatient. The timing of such an operation is most important. Ah, why do we have to fool around with stuff like this? Why don't we just blast our way into what we want? That would be too crude, and the chances of success are that much less. Not with me around to hate. You put a great deal of faith in your voice, my dear butcher. It's got us what we want, ain't it? Be patient, my friend, and trust me. Ah, I don't like getting guilt. I want something, I take it. Rest assured, we will take everything we want, but it must be done with the next. Just the same. Take I... my word for it. After this job, our success is assured. It better be. No one will ever question us, believe me, or even try to stop us. We will become absolute masters of every underworld operation in this country. <laughs> Indulgently, the Scarlet Widow pats the arm of her henchman and smiles. A quiet smile of confidence and triumph. What is their plan? And will Superman be able to stop them before it goes into operation? Gang, you won't want to miss Monday's action-packed episode when Superman and Butcher Stark meet again. Tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 14 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>